College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. We now have on the line a very familiar voice, Rich Valdez, bringing common sense to the airwaves of Long Island. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito on News Talk 1071 FM. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, Long Island, what's up, New York? What's going on? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and today it's a snowy, I guess it's Thursday, and... We're remembering El Rushbo, America's anchor man, Rush Limbaugh. Not going to lie, fought back a little bit of a tear when I heard that El Rushbo passed away yesterday. And makes me think, you know, my story is a little different. A lot of people, you know, I'm a Rush baby or I'm this. I did listen to Rush Limbaugh for years, but it was um, it was just what you did. It was not something, you know, I, I didn't have the discovery that a lot of people had. For example, a lot of people were telling me yesterday, you know, um, there was nothing like, I grew up in an era where there was Rush, right? That just, he did exist. That's what people listened to from noon to three. So, you know, to to speak with a lot of people yesterday in my alter ego as Mr. Call Screener from the Mark Levin Show, to speak with people across America calling saying, you know, it was 1988, it was 1989, it was 1990, and I first heard Rush, and there was nothing like that on radio, and I thought, wow, wow, just imagine a time where there just wasn't radio, conservative talk radio. I mean, there was Grant here in New York, Bob Grant, the late great Bob Grant, the king of New York talk radio. But El Rushbo had rolled out nationally from right here, these studios, 77 WABC. To me, blows me away. Blows me away that I've uh, I've studied all the greats to try and improve my craft. And I look at El Rushbo and I've looked at him on YouTube and I've looked at him on C-SPAN. I've looked at him all over the place. And what I find interesting is that he was kicking it so real back then that when he starts his show, you hear... The thoughts and opinions of this host are not necessarily those of the owner of the station or the sponsors. And I thought, wow, we're back to that. <laughs> El Rushbo started that beef and it went away. He normalized it for decades, right? People didn't have these disclaimers. Now they're back because cancel culture was alive and well back then. And I'm talking about a particular clip. I watched, you know, a whole show that was on C-SPAN. Fascinating to me. So, so appropriate for today's day and age. It was mind-blowing, really. I was watching this as I was on the, the New Jersey transit bus, and I thought to myself, wow, 1990, WABC, he's sitting, sitting in a studio where I've sat and done my show, where I started my show. And it was just remarkable to me. And, you know, today we have Deb Valentine doing the news, and back then, it was Miss Maloney, and she's doing the news, and Rush is getting into this little back and forth, and he really was not just a satirist and a humorist. Those are fancy words that kind of take – he was a fun, entertaining dude. Whether you loved him or you hated him, you wanted to hear what he had to say. And I want you to listen to a little bit of this back and forth between El Rushbo and uh, Miss Maloney, who was doing the news. 
if you're a homeless person, anyway, there's a strike in Yonkers to to complete that story. If you're a homeless person who sleeps in Penn Station, you're going to have to find a new place to bunk. Because starting tomorrow, the Long Island Railroad will be waking up and kicking out anyone who's sleeping in the station. Governor Cuomo's son, Andrew, will be entering the bonds of matrimony with Kerry Kennedy, the daughter of late Robert skip, Kennedy. Skip, skip that story Why? if you would. Well, because I have a big deal on that. Just skip. You're going to talk about the bachelor party? Yeah, yeah, if you just skip it. All right, we'll skip that story. Skip story. Today's the big day for Barbara Bush. The First Lady will deliver what has become a controversial commencement That's right. I forgot. Speech. Feminist update, too, on today's show. Right. Thanks for reminding me about that. At There's Wellesley so much, College. So much going on Can here. I do the news? You have a lot of time to do your show. The news just holds everything up here. Well, let me finish it at least. You're holding trying, up the news. I'm trying to make the news worthwhile. <clears throat> the First Lady will deliver her commencement speech at Wellesley College. Some of the students at the all-girls school don't think the First Lady's a good role model, as you know, since she has no career of her own. Raisa Gorbachev will accompany Mrs. Bush, and as you know, Rush, Mrs. Gorbachev has a Ph.D., while Mrs. Bush, well, she has no degree at this all. She has an MRS degree, and it's a, it's a degree yeah, that right. should be very proud. An MRS title. It's not a degree. Not something you earn. You know, but it most certainly Well, it's is. something that's given to you. You think George Bush was an easy catch? <laughs> so I, I love the fact that uh, Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast is in this clip. And this is, again, June 1st, 1990, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, El Rushbo sitting right there in New York City. Amazing to me that things have come full circle. Now, some of you listening, because, again, we do have a really good audience that streams this program, and you're listening from across the country on WABCradio.com or TalkRadio1071.com. But you're thinking, wow, so Cuomo's always been around? No, he wasn't always around. His dad was governor. He was in the mix because his dad was governor. Uh, but back then, Grant and, and Limbaugh and these guys that were here in New York were, were beating up on Cuomo, the father, Mario Cuomo, who Curtis Lee would call Mario Fachabruta Cuomo. And I find it fascinating. I really do. I look at that because, man, in 1990, I was in like eighth grade or something like that. Or maybe sixth grade. And I wasn't, you know, I didn't have my finger on the pulse of what was going on here, but I have YouTube, right? And I can go back and check these things out. And it just, to me, it's so remarkable the way he interjects, the way that they had this, this back and forth going on, the, the skits that he created, the music that he created, because it was really funny stuff. And it reminds me, honestly, when you're, when you're trying to get into this craft, you really get very creative. Now, sometimes there's a lot of constraints put on you and you're kind of, uh, stuck with just doing the rip and read of yesteryear, right? So they used to have these big machines, I'm told, because I was not around. But you, the teletype machine and the news would come through the AP wire on this paper. You'd rip it off and read it on the air, and that's how you did the news. Now, Deb Valentine shared that story with me, by the way. And I look at that, and I think, okay, so, so now we print it or we'll grab the newspaper and we'll, and, you know, we'll do the news, give the commentary, you know, because it's live radio, this is live, and we're here to inform and entertain along the way. But when you have time, it's really cool to put together these skits. And early in my podcast career, I did that. I used to really enjoy picking music and doing this and really you know, really choreographing things in my mind of how we were going to do that. 
But sometimes as your time gets extended, going from a 30-minute podcast to an hour-long show to a two-hour-long show that's five days a week plus a weekend show, and I'm not complaining. I'm ready for a few more hours. Listen, I'm ready to go. But I am saying that you know sometimes the creativity um, kind of suffers a little bit because you know you're doing a lot of the production on your own. Thankfully, we've got Mr. Jizzle here who helps with the uh, production. Anyway, going just the fact that I call him Mr. Jizzle, how about that? That's a Rush Limbaugh influence, right? His his um, call screener, Mr. Snurgly. Levin adopts that, Mr. Producer and Mr. Call Screener. And I've adopted that, Mr. Jizzle. And I wonder how pe- how your listeners think I actually look like I would based love, on you calling me Mr. Jizzle. We should a segment on that. And wh- let me know, because now they heard your voice, and now you sound a little crispy on the air. Maybe they know that, you know, this guy's crispy, and, you know, maybe they have a different opinion. But when you're an enigma, and, and they don't know who you are, it's like, hmm. Who is this Mr. Jizzle? What does he do? And what is Mr. Snurdly? By the way, there's been two Mr. Snurdlies, uh, an, an older white guy and a black guy. Awesome guys both. We actually had Mr. Snurdly's protege, the the CEO, Audrey Pruitt, of his – he started a political action committee, a super PAC, and we had him on this program last week. So check that out if you get a chance at WABCRadio.com. But I've got more El Rushbo coming up that I want to play for you. Actually, I think we can sneak one in before we hit our our um, first uh, pause of the day. So let's go to the next one, which is El Rushbo giving a shout out to the world famous talk radio 77 WABC excuse me, WABC, and giving out the phone number. Check this out. We welcome the C-SPAN cameras to WABC, News Talk Radio 770 and Rush Limbaugh, with yet another excursion into broadcast excellence hosted by me. Let me give you the phone numbers if you want to be part of the program today. And, hey, Mario, remember now that when we give these numbers out, these numbers are going out all over the fruited plain, and so people from all over there are going to be trying to call. Use your best judgment in there. It's uh, 201-489-WABC from New Jersey. And from anywhere else, 212-563-WABC. If you're illiterate, WABC equals 92... Well, that wouldn't matter anyway. If you're illiterate, you wouldn't know numbers either. The <coughs> WABC 9222. All right, in the far right-hand column of phone, if you have a touchstone phone, the 9 is second from the bottom, and 2 is in the middle of the top row. Middle of the top row, he gives it very clear instruction. How could you not? How could you not think that that was not funny? It's the number there because you're a leftist liberal and you don't know how to dial a phone because you're illiterate. Anyway, that's my L. Rushville. I got to work on that. I am Rich Valdez. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC and uh, Talk Radio 1071. I don't know where I am sometimes. I'm so uh, caught up in this moment with Rush, but I want to play some more for you and I want to get into Cuomo and a couple other things. And Biden, he had that town hall the night before last and I wanted to get to it yesterday. So we're going to catch up on all that stuff as we watch the snow fall down. Rich Valdez, 1071. Keep it locked right there. We now have on the line a very familiar voice, Rich Valdez, bringing common sense to the airwaves of Long Island. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito on News Talk 1071 FM. Now, here's Rich Valdez. Everybody, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And you're listening to Talk Radio 1071, going all the way out to Eastern Long Island. This is the FM signal of Talk Radio 77 WABC. If you're listening on WABCRadio.com, welcome to the program. Our telephone number is 1 800 848 9222. 
and we're remembering the raconteur known as Rush Limbaugh, El Rushbo. And man, Rush was a, a really terrific host. It was it was fun to listen to him. He was remarkable in many ways. It was really nice to see the people that knew him well and personally uh, share about him in in, in a different way. Because I've always thought. People get into this business for different reasons and they might fall into different categories. Some people are enamored with the sound of their own voice. They love the spotlight. They love the fact that they can get on a mic and do their thing. And it's about that. It's about doing this. Uh, some people actually love the connection. They love being able to not just speak to the engineer across the glass – but also with millions of people that are listening to the radio station. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. And some people, it's purely financial. They think, you know what? I've got a platform. I've got a big name. I'm going to get into this game because I know I can do well in it and I will use this to as an ends to justify the means. And I'm not criticizing any of the above. I think for many people, it's probably all of those three categories. But I will say, for me, it's the connection. And I think for Rush, it was also. From what I hear a lot of people, from a lot of people, he really, really loved the audience. Something I picked up on, I always did, that I thought was fascinating, was for a guy that was grandiose as he was, you know, with the things that he said, like, uh, having more fun than a human being is possibly allowed to have. El Rushbo here. And, and thinking, man, that's pretty cool. Because you know what? That is part of what inspires me to do what I'm doing. It does look cool to talk on the radio. And he was having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have because radio really is super fun. And I think way more fun than TV in many ways because you can express yourself in a different way because people can't see you. So you have to be more descriptive and you're able to create a more personal connection. It's different than the written word. It's different than video. The spoken word to me is special. Anyway, so El Rushbo, I think, fell into that category. He would say things to callers. And uh, I'm guilty of sin here, but he would say things to callers like, thanks for thanks for taking the time to call. I thought that was remarkable. I've never heard a talk radio host say that. I say, thank you for your call. It's very different from thanks for taking the time to call, Jack. To me, he valued every caller. And guess what? On my show, I do too. Even if I'm curt, abrupt, um, satirical, uh, cynical, you know, if you call and you we're talking about the snow and you're like, you know, one time I was in Palm Beach and this coconut hit me in the head and it doesn't make for great radio. I'll probably say, all right, thanks, pal. Take care. Brush your hair. And you do that. Sometimes you want to play with people that are silly like that because you, you can make something out of it. So, I mean, it really depends. It, it, it's uh, kind of it's live. That's the beauty of radio. It's live. and You don't know which way to go with the caller. And, and I love that both as Mr. Call Screener and as a host. But looking at uh, El Rushbo and being that he didn't take calls uh, all the time and he didn't do guests, he was to me the epitome of you're tuning in to listen to what I have to say. 
I'm going to be entertaining. I'm going to be informative. I'm going to do the best I can to put on a show for you, my listeners. And I think that is the essence of conservative talk radio because – talk radio as a whole, but conservative talk radio, which he is the pioneer of. Bob Grant, of course, was never syndicated uh, like Rush was. So he went from Sacramento here to New York and he was all over the place and to date the most successful ever. And it really is a, an honor to to work in the same type of industry, honestly, a, a niche industry that he's created where there's so many people. And it, it was pretty cool, I think, to see those things come full circle with El Rushbo seeing, in my opinion – Donaldus Magnus, right? And I get Donaldus Magnus from Rush. He called Ronald Reagan Ronaldus Magnus. So I, I took on that and call him Donaldus Magnus, El Trumpito, the 45th president of these United States. So to say that Rush didn't have a lot of influence, and mind you, I didn't listen to Rush every single day. I did for several years. But I, when I kind of uh, had to go to work and things like that, the one person I never stopped listening to was the great one, Mark Levin. So, of course, it's uh, I count it as joy to uh, to be under his tutelage and to learn from him daily, and uh, I really do, and to be with all of you, his listeners, the listeners of this station, the listeners to my show. Anyway, all of that being said, this isn't about me, this is about El Rushbo, and he had some funny things to say about these disclaimers, and I got to say, I also, I'm not a big fan, uh, quite frankly speaking, of these disclaimers, because I feel that it cheapens the program. When you hear a disclaimer play, it's typically because... The station uh, sold that time to somebody, whether it's a radio station or even a TV station. If you're watching it and you'll see, you know, WNY, whatever, whatever, you know, on like Channel 5 here in New York, uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, some guy comes out and these fish oil pills are the best fish oil pills you've ever had. Your knee will stop hurting. Your back will stop hurting. This is the best thing ever. And you think, man, and what, is it, what does the TV station do? They go, well, we're going to sell this guy some time because we don't have any programming at that time. But... We also don't want anything to do with it except taking that guy's money. So here's a disclaimer. And I think that's the part where it's like, yeah, you already, it's kind of like audibly, you tune out. You're like, ah, this isn't legit. I don't want to tune out. So the last thing you want to do where you're trying to increase TSL, what we call time spent listening in talk radio, is put a disclaimer on something because that disclaimer tells the listener, this isn't legit. They don't endorse it. So I'm not interested. But El Rushbo, had that disclaimer on his program, and here's what he had to say. Check this out. The opinions expressed on the Rush Limbaugh program do not necessarily reflect those of WABC Radio or its management. And now, here's Rush Limbaugh. By the way, that's a gutless disclaimer. The views expressed by the host of the show ought to become federal law, and the station and sponsors ought to heartily endorse them. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I this And that was El Rushbo, right? So he did it funny, but he pushed back in your face. It was like, hey, Rush, you're fat and you're ugly. Not only are you fat and ugly, but you should be in jail for being so fat and ugly. And that is the art of, of rhetoric at, at its best, right? And I think that is what El Rushbo taught so many people to do is say, you know what? It's okay to push back. It's okay when somebody says, how could you defend Donald Trump? for?" So I could turn to them and say, how on earth could you take each breath that you breathe and not support Donald Trump and not love the United States of America and put them on defense and take the offensive position? Because that is how you win. And but for us sharing that and training generations of people, generations, which I find remarkable because in, in you know three decades on the air, obviously that's a long time for any career. 
But in a career where you have 21 million people per day, or at least at its height just recently in December, 21 million people. And I got to say, that's just the terrestrial numbers. With that, there's podcast numbers. And that doesn't include Sirius XM satellite radio, which you've got to account for a few more million. I can just tell you from what I understand about some of the bigger shows, you know, five, six, seven, eight million downloads a month is not unheard of. And they're typically not the terrestrial listener because they missed it. So they're catching it. So my point is if you've got, let's just say, 14 million listeners terrestrially, and then you've got another 6 million on podcast, like, for example, for the Mark Levin show, just imagine Rush being in that earlier spot and being on, on radio for close to a decade more. Wow. So, I mean, there's no question in my mind Rush was likely reaching 30 million people a day with satellite and with podcast. Wow. Not to mention, there are people that entirely get pirated versions of, of popular radio programs and podcasts on YouTube. People just record them, throw them up there. They make money on the views. And people are like, oh, I, I, can't. I know a lot of people, especially younger people. And they always come to me, hey, where's your, what's on your YouTube? Because it, it's a little bit of work to get that on there. And you know, so I can't get every show on there every single day. But people ask me, what's your YouTube? And why aren't you putting stuff on there? And why aren't you doing more videos? So, I mean, video platforms are incredible. And Rush was not on that yet. Imagine had he been really big in the YouTube space. I mean, my point is, it was serious, the influence. It was a remarkable level of influence. And to me, that was what it was all about. It was always about influencing people, but being funny and bringing about a positive message. So we're going to continue to talk about Rush Limbaugh. We're going to get into Andrew Cuomo, who I like to call Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. Also, we have a little bit from Joel Baboso Biden, Joel Baboso Biden and his CNN town hall with Anderson Cooper. We got a few cuts in that. So we're just getting started. Keep it locked right there. Buckle up. Put your feet up. It's snowing. Where are you going to go? Turn the radio up. Call a friend. Tell him to listen to me, too. And give us a call. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-WABC. We now have on the line a very familiar voice, Rich Valdez, bringing common sense to the airwaves of Long Island. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito on News Talk 1071 FM. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, Long Island, welcome back. New York City, everybody listening across America on WABCRadio.com. Rich Valdez on the FM signal here, Talk Radio 1071. We are remembering El Rushbo, the raconteur known as Rush Limbaugh. He was a legend. He was an OG in this game. Um, quite frankly, I would not be here. You know, as I heard that news yesterday, um, I went to the TV because, you know, incredulity, you're just like, no, no, there's no way. And somebody pointed at the TV. I was like, is that confirmed? And they pointed to the TV and there it was on Fox News. Rush Limbaugh dies at 70. And there were some women waiting in the lobby here. And I was like, wow. And they were like, wow, Rush Limbaugh died. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, wow. And I was like, wow, we were all wowing. And, you know, I just thought to myself, which among us here would have a job today in this industry but for – God, of course, and Rush Limbaugh. And of course, in those that, you know, I mean, I come from the, the, I'm a Levinite. I come from the tribe of Levin, who came from El Rushbo. <laughs> so, I mean, and by, by way of Hannity. 
This is a uh, a small world with massive reach, and I'm grateful to be a part of it. And I think to myself, good old Rushbow. So anyway, we were thinking about our Rushbow, and earlier we played an audio clip of him and uh, the news anchor that was doing the show with him was talking about Andrew Cuomo and Governor Cuomo, and they were not one and the same because it was a clip from 1990. But fast forward to today, and Andrew Cuomo is the governor following in his father's footsteps as governor here in New York City, and the FBI has begun an investigation of the Cuomo administration over the nursing home scandal. So it looks like, at least according to the Washington Post, Andrew Cuomo's nursing home problem is getting worse. Now, Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. There are three parts to the political crisis surrounding Governor Cuomo, a Democrat from New York, and this is according to uh, Philip Bump from the Washington Post. The most immediate was the report on Wednesday, that was yesterday, that he had threatened a Democrat Assemblyman Ron Kim of Queens. Now, after Mr. Kim criticized the governor in the New York Post, Kim told the New York Times that Cuomo called him, talking about how I hadn't seen his wrath of anger that he would destroy me and how he would go out tomorrow and start telling how bad of a person I am and I would be finished and how he had bit his tongue about me for months. That's a quote from Assemblyman Ron Kim of Queens. I want you to listen to this response from Andrew. I'm at a, my office, uh, more than me, has had a, a long and hostile relationship with Assemblyman Ron Kim. As far as his point that uh, we didn't provide the Department of Justice with information, that is 100% wrong. Uh, he knows it. So there begins the uh, the denial. Now, listen, I don't know Assemblyman Ron Kim from a hole in the wall. But I do know Governor Cuomo from TV. He's known here, as you guys know, as Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. He is the politician that was the son of a governor and now is the governor himself. He is the guy that decided last year, February, uh, March, who was essential and who was not essential. Some people saying he was playing God. Other people saying he is a king. Bob Grant, Curtis Sliwa, others have called him King Cuomo. Is King Cuomo the first and King Cuomo the second, as Curtis Lee would say. Now, I look at that and I can't help but think, we know how he is. He's literally said to the sitting president of the United States, he won't come to New York. He won't come to New um, uh, um, uh, He won't come to New York because if he comes to New York, he'll need an army. He'll need an army, not just the bodyguards. 
and whatever else he said. So, I mean, he's made these types of threats before. And quite frankly, let's be real here, folks. If you're listening to this, you're no dummy. You know full well. The people on the conservative side of the aisle are the people that are like, get out of my way. Get, let me mind, mind your business. Let me mind my business. Let me make a bunch of money and live good and enjoy life. And then there's the other people that are like, let me take over the government. Let me use the government to make money, to create an oligarchy and control your lives. I'm going to tell you how much soda you can drink. I'm going to tell you where you can pop wheelies. I'm going to tell you everything. I'm going to tell you when you can go to school, how you can open your restaurant. This And this is clear as day. Worldview philosophy falls down in these party lines. My kid's in Miami right now. She comes back today. She says, it's a different world here. Some people wear masks. Some people don't wear masks. Their infection rate is low. Everybody's happy. Everybody's polite. Restaurants are open. It's beautiful. You come over here. Everybody looks at you, you know, six feet, six feet. Blah, blah. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. I'm saying if it's working somewhere and the numbers are on the decline, it doesn't mean we pretend that the pandemic is over, but it does mean we say, hey, let's... uh." Un aplauso. Thank you very much, my friend. Okay, man. We have to celebrate and say, you know, we're, we're, we're turning the corner because we really are. Instead, Biden comes out. And, you know, Cuomo says maybe this summer we're going to reopen up. And what does Biden go and say? He says, oh, yeah, I'm thinking maybe for Christmas, if you're lucky, if you behave, you don't get a lump of coal. If not, we're looking at next year. He's Biden. It's going to be a long, it's going to be a long, hard, cold winter. You know, hairy legs. I can't stand Joe Biden. He's so morbid in many ways, however you want to take that. But here's the thing. So if you tell me Ron Kim, who I don't know, says that Cuomo threatened him, I think I could believe that. It doesn't seem far-fetched to me. But Essential Andy says he didn't do it. Listen to this. He has a meeting last week with other legislators and members of my staff. On the tape of the meeting, he says positive things. There's then a story that moves in the New York Post where he says the exact opposite and is very negative in quotes. I called him up and I said, I don't understand. Uh, you were positive and said positive things in the meeting. And then the Post has you saying negative things. He told me the Post has uh, misquoted me. And I called the Post reporter and she refused to correct it. I said, really? Uh, yes. I said, well, my suggestion is you then do a statement where you put out your correct uh, statement. Yes, I will do that, he says. Uh, and then he never did it. So, so much for Mr. Kim's credibility. And I said to him on the phone, you know, there is still integrity and honor and decency in politics. But uh, that's that for Mr. Kim. So, Mr. Kim, hey, how you doing? Uh, Don uh, Cuomo Leone here. Mr. Kim owes me some money. I went to see him. He says, no, that's a misunderstanding. We'll take care of everything, Don Cuomo Leone. I mean, that's what I just heard. It sounded like a shakedown to me. It sounded like, yeah, so I called him up and I told, um, uh, listen, you want I should come and I, bing, bang, boom, right? And then all of a sudden the media comes, no, no, yeah, no, 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 that was fine. No, that. Listen, it seems like Mr. Kim is under duress to me at least in, from what I can observe. I've been around the political block a time or two. I think that uh, Mr. Cuomo, when was the last time? Let me, let's rewind a little bit. When was the last time that you saw a sitting governor get into a tit-for-tat debate with one assembly person and it become not only the source of headlines in the New York Post and whatnot, moreover, audio follow-ups, telephone calls, 
Which governor has all this time on their hand to say, oh, no, no, the thing with Kim, no, we're best friends. No, we have a long, hostile relationship. No, but we're really good. No, but he's putting out a statement. No, you're full of it, bro. Bruh, you're full of it. That's the bottom line. Andrew Cuomo is in, in a world of hot water, and he is cut from a cloth where he doesn't give a damn. And he comes from a lineage of this. And, and this is not a personal attack. It's more of a, an observation of history. He's been very clear. Hey, you killed a bunch of old people. I didn't kill anybody. Donald Trump, Donald Trump killed these people. Oh, snap. Okay, my bad. I thought you were the governor here. and He was in Washington sending boats that you left empty, setting up hospitals at the Javits that you left empty. Donald Trump. Um, uh, um. And that was it. That was his response. And you know what? The media says, hey, he said Donald Trump. So then that's it. We're good. And that's how it works oftentimes. But this is the problem. Now, to bolster his account, Cuomo has attacked him as corrupt during a news conference that we heard. We just heard a clip from. And in a statement, Cuomo advisor Rich as a party denied Kim's account. Kim was, quote unquote, lying about his conversation with Governor Cuomo, as a party said, something to which he said could be attested to by someone in the room during the call. Doesn't this sound familiar? Yeah, like impeachment. When they were like, yeah, no, we Trump called the guy. I heard him. Where were you? I was about five feet away. Was it on speaker? No, it was in his ear, but I could hear it perfect. Come on, man. <laughs> How stupid do you think everybody is? Very Donald Trump. That, that's everybody. Um, uh, that's what he thinks of everybody. He thinks everybody's rolling like him. Anyway, uh, Philly Bump goes on and he says, Philly Bump, as he's known to by the great one Mark Levin. Wherever the truth lies, it seems unlikely that many New Yorkers' opinions of Cuomo will change. Blah, 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 blah. Philly, you're losing me. Six in ten New Yorkers said they approved of how Cuomo was doing, including 25% being Republicans. If Cuomo's pugilism isn't likely to erode views of his tenure, the issue at the root of his fight with Kim... Might. Kim's criticism in the New York Post centered on the revelation from Cuomo aide Melissa DeRosa that the state declined to provide full data to legislators on the number of nursing home residents who had died of COVID-19. The disease caused by the coronavirus, blah, 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 after the Justice Department announced a probe into the state's handling of the pandemic. So keeping that in mind, we know that there's a cover up. The FBI is looking into this because... Well, if they don't, they'll accuse Biden of being part of the cover up saying, oh, now you're covering for your friend who was covering for the nursing homes, who now has DeRosa and there's these connections. And maybe these connections mean nothing. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But American people, especially New Yorkers, groups like Voices for Seniors at VoicesForSeniors.com. Great group. We've had them on the show before. Nonprofit that they started. Two sisters. They lost their, their mom. And now they've got other people involved. Janice Dean, Fox News meteorologist lost her in-laws, people are losing their family members and they're saying, you know what, I'm not going to take this lying down. If there's a possibility that they may have continued to live, because I was, again, Cuomo saying, people die, people die. And we played that a couple of days ago. And if it's in there, maybe we'll play it again, where that's, you know, unfortunately, nursing home, people die. That's it, Governor? I mean, listen, there's something about being blunt and matter of fact in your speech, letting people know what is what. I can respect that. Governor Christie did that. Trump was infamous for that. I can appreciate it. But when you say things like the nursing home, uh, let's let him say it. Check this out. Whether a person died in a hospital or died in a nursing home, 
It's people died. People died. I was in the hospital. I got transferred to a nursing home, and my father died. My father was in a nursing home, got transferred to a hospital. My father died. People died. People died. Um. Uh. People died. That's your governor, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew, Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast, Cuomo. That's your governor. People died. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. Talk Radio 1071. We now have on the line a very familiar voice, Rich Valdez, bringing common sense to the airwaves of Long Island. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito on News Talk 1071 FM. Now, here's Rich Valdez. New York, everybody in Eastern Long Island, everybody in the five boroughs, anybody listening across America on WABCRadio.com. Welcome to the program. Rich Valdez here, 1-800-848-9222, 800-848-9222 if you want to chime in on this. And we've been talking about the great El Rushbo and, of course, Andrew Cuomo and how the state withheld a full tally of the number of deaths from the nursing homes and residents that were eventually died and were kept away from their family members. And it was really just a horrible situation. You know, we talked about um, this Washington Post piece, and I'm going to tweet this out if you guys want to read it, but it talks about the third component of all this being the crisis when that March advisory from the state mandating that nursing homes accept residents that were discharged from hospitals. So, I mean, you know, this lays it out pretty clearly. Not only did they keep them from their families and they they didn't allow, you know, families to be with them, they also lied or covered up the data that was requested for oversight by the state legislature, which is their job. And then on top of that, you had in some instances the state was uh, – it's alleged here that the state was aware that staff at the nursing home, certain nurses were infected with COVID treating patients. How does that work? Do you really think you're going to save lives if you're spreading the virus? So this is, um, or at least they were symptomatic with symptoms that matched the coronavirus because, you know, there was an issue with testing and this and that. Listen, Nobody else is under the gun the way New York is. Nobody else oversaw this mass level of carnage the way Andrew Evilize Cuomo did. That's uh, Curtis's line. That's not my line. Strike that from the record, Your Honor. I say Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. Now, all that being said, Cuomo managed to muster up a fake sorry, not sorry type of apology. And in doing so, he still manages to blame Trump. Check this out. Yes, there are political animosities uh, with the Donald Trumps of the world and the Ron Kims of the world, and people have their own political agenda. But the net was the void, the misinformation, and the pain it caused. And that I feel incredibly bad about. Because it's not the family's business whether or not uh, Trump likes me and I like Trump or who Roger Stone is, uh, or what the New York Post's politics are, or who Ron Kim is, or who any of these people are. They just felt bad. And I made it, the void made it worse. And my administration created the void. And that I feel bad about. Not illegal, not unethical, but 
just failed people in that moment. Maybe half a clap, right? I'll give half of uh, un aplauso because it seemed painful for him to come to that realization. And I think it's only a partial realization. It's more than just a void. It's more than just a gap in communication or a gap in services. This is a deadly decision to put sick people in these hospital beds with other people, a deadly decision to turn a blind eye when things are happening and potential malfeasance helping a particular industry because your aide and her sister, brother, and father work for this lobby that protects these same agencies that you covered this up for, or entities, I should say. So again, I'm not alleging a cover-up. I honestly don't have all the facts other than the, the reporting that is available publicly and my comments, which are available publicly as well. But that doesn't stop people from getting the heck out of Dodge. People don't want to be in New York City anymore because, unfortunately, they see what's going on. And you know, people keep comparing New York to Florida and what's going on. And at one time, fact checkers pointed out that it was misleading. The state was explicitly not releasing the full data. And this is what, you know, he's getting hit for. Cuomo went as far as to say that his order about nursing home readmissions is exactly what Florida was doing at the time. So when he brought it into the foray, it became a thing. And he, him saying, quote, Florida today is doing exactly that, Cuomo said. They're forcing nursing homes to take COVID positive patients because they need the beds in the hospitals. We never got near hospital capacity because, as he said shortly before, the New York had flattened the curve so quickly and so effectively. So, of course, looking to take your calls on that and everything else that we're talking about, 800-848-9222. And it's true that there's been some coronavirus in Florida and there's been even a little bit of a spike in Palm Beach County and things like that. But by and large, in a state that's comparably um, similar in population, it's not even close. So I think that's something that we have to take into account. And this is why people leave. People leave because they uh, they don't want to be in New York anymore. They're on their way out. They're like, you know what? I want to get out of here. But let me know what you think. 800-848-9222. Let's go to Carolyn in Brooklyn, New York. Carolyn, you're on with Rich Valdez. Good morning. Good morning. Hello from Snowy Borough Park. Hey. Hey, listen, you, I just heard you saying about people moving out. My friends moved to Texas. Now they have no lights, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Snow like crazy. Freaking and nature. And everything is shut down. So you could run. But I just wanted to call about Rush Limbaugh. Sure. He was like a professor. Yeah. I mean, growing up with this guy, he's got common sense. We'll never see it again. And I commend all the radio stations, WOR, ABC, and you guys to cover this great guy. Yeah. He was a guy for everybody, and he knew how to handle it. He wasn't nasty if you didn't agree, but he was all American. But let me, what, one thing I'm going to never forget, when Donald Trump, our president, gave him the medal, Oh, it yes. really brought tears to my eyes because you'll never see that again. No, but you're you right. take care of yourself, and uh, God bless you guys for being there for us. To better days, my friend. But thank you so much for covering the stories because it was a pleasure to hear him every day yep. when Amen we could. To that. Yep, you're right, Carolyn. Thank you for your kind words. I appreciate that. L. Rushbell was remarkable, and straight ahead, we're going to have a whole additional hour of coverage on Rush Limbaugh and everything that's going on there. And, you know, something that Carolyn just mentioned was people are leaving New York, her friend left to Texas. A lot of people are doing that because they just can't afford to be here anymore. Even the people, they buy a two-family, buy a free family, a mixed-use property, whatever it is. 
they're buying something and they just, they're like, you know what? I can't be here. This is too much. You know, we've got a vicious fight for mayor that's coming up and I'm going to get into that. There's some news on Andrew Yang and his fundraising capability. Plus, uh, there's news on John Katsimatidis coming back into the ring. So we're going to talk about that and see if it's going to be a throwdown between this is Gertie Schlieber and uh, John Katsimatidis from the Cats at Nights, um, Cats Roundtable programs here on WABC, as well as the owner of Red Apple Media, our parent company. So we'll see how that goes down. Um, I think both great options. But right now, people are fighting and they're, you know, they're fighting to, to survive and you've got housing court that is getting on top of people. And recently, a new sponsor came on board with this program. Uh, it's called the National Homeowner Landlord Association. And they gave me a calendar, which uh, really nice calendar. And, you know, maybe I'll tweet a picture of it or put it on Instagram at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez with an S. But what the National Homeowner Landlord Association does, and their website is homeownerlandlord.org, is they ask a couple of basic questions. And, and they provide a service if you fall into this category. One of the things they do is, you know, obviously if you're a landlord in the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Westchester, they, um, and you have tenant problems, they can help. Because if your tenants stop paying rent or if the city's targeting your property with, you know, fines and violations that seem like they're not ending and you have no idea where to go with help because, you know, legal fees are up the wazoo, they're a nonprofit and they're helping land. Uh, landlords that are homeowners, you know, owner occupants, people that are trying to pay off a house, make a living and rent an apartment. And this organization's here to help nationalhomeowner.org. And I think they're terrific. The National Homeowner Landlord Association in the Pelham Bay section of the Bronx, it's, like I said, it's nonprofit and they're dedicated to helping small landlords like you. They've got all the resources for helping with housing court, whether it's evictions or issues with the Department of Buildings, the DOB or HPD violations, small claims court, civil court, property management. They do that too. You know, if you're up there in years or let's say you, you're a snowbird, you get out of here for when it's snowy days like this one and you say, you know what, I'm going to Florida. Well, they, they can do your shoveling. They can do your plowing. They can do all that stuff. And they have very minimal fees, not thousands and thousands of dollars every month. So I think it's a really good, good service started by a guy who bought some properties and learned the hard way and figured out, you know, how can I give back to other people that are trying to just make it? And he did that. So these guys do a lot of work with maintenance and repairs and all that. And they've got a network. You know, through the years, trial and error, these guys have learned. they got the attorneys that they need that know how to go to landlord-tenant court. They've got architects, expediters, process servers, whatever it is. You've got to build something. They've got licensed contractors, insurance agents, CPAs to help you with your books. They're going to help you get possession of your property, get the property ready to rent, get somebody evicted if that's the case. And that, that's important, I think, because too many New Yorkers are facing that right now. And this is a very difficult time. And the most important thing that they help you do is collect back rent. You know how many people are saying, you know what, there's a moratorium on rent. People are not paying me, but yet I still have to pay my taxes. This is where the association comes in. They help you get your property. They help you get, you know, everything back on track. So if you're a landlord or a homeowner, check out uh, homeownerlandlord.org, homeownerlandlord.org, because I think it's a a great organization that really can help you. So let's help stop the uh, the exit from New York. Let's help look at the issues and know what's going on so that we can get the right person to be mayor of New York City. 
And we're going to continue with our coverage of Rush Limbaugh and everything that's going on. But first, we're going to stop for the news with Deb Valentine. Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez, and I'll be back for another hour right after this. now have on the line a very familiar voice, Rich Valdez, bringing common sense to the airwaves of Long Island. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito on News Talk 1071 FM. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, New York, welcome back. New York City, Long Island, the five boroughs, everybody out in Jersey. I know we got people in Jersey that are listening. And, of course, everybody listening on WABCradio.com across America, welcome to the program. And I am Rich Valdez with an S. You can get me on social media at Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. I'm 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden right here in New York City. Snow's coming down. We're remembering the raconteur known as Rush Limbaugh, El Rushbo, famous for saying... Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. With talent on loan from God, and I just thought that was remarkable. What a great way to put it, right? Because he was acknowledging and self-aggrandizing, which was one of his best traits, that he was very talented. But he was in real, uh, real in my opinion, very real, very true, authentic humility, saying that it was God that gives the talent, at give, you know, letting you into his worldview. And... El Rushbo was a classic. If you heard the first hour, we had some classic clips from 1990, just two years into his syndication here, right here, 77 WBC. Of course, we're in brand new studios now, brought to you by Red Apple Media. Big shout out to Red Apple Media, John Katz and Matides and the team. However, I started with WABC in uh, Two Penn Plaza, and I started my radio show in the very same studio where Rush Limbaugh started his. And I also have the pleasure, a little factoid for you, trivia, I had the pleasure of doing the very last live broadcast ever that came out of Tupem Plaza before we switched over to our new facilities here at Red Apple. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I have a video on my Instagram and Twitter if you want to check out the old studios. It was really, really a um, just cool. Cool to be a part of history. I guess it's like playing the last game at the old Shea Stadium before they brought it down and put up City Field, that type of thing. So... We're talking about El Rushbo, Rush Limbaugh. And again, our phone number, 1-800-848-9222, if you want to chime in and share your Rush Limbaugh stories or anything else we're talking about. And El Rushbo, back in this um, episode of the Rush Limbaugh show that I was watching on C-SPAN, he uh, went through a couple of things. And you know what? I think I'm going to go through them in order. Even though I played it before, I think it's worth repeating because it was really, really funny. And then we'll get into the stinking stuff because uh, I thought it was just really um, so apt that we're still seeing the same things today. But let's start with, let's go with, let's go with cut two. We welcome the C-SPAN cameras to WABC News Talk Radio 770 and Rush Limbaugh. 
with yet another excursion into broadcast excellence hosted by me. Let me give you the phone numbers if you want to be part of the program today. And, hey, Mario, remember now that when we give these numbers out, these numbers are going out all over the fruited plain, and so people from all over there are going to be trying to call. Use your best judgment in there. It's uh, 201-489-WABC from New Jersey. And from anywhere else, 212-563-WABC. If you're illiterate, WABC equals 92... Well, that wouldn't matter anyway. If you're illiterate, you wouldn't know numbers either. The... WABC 9222. All right, in the far right-hand column of far phone, right. if you have a touchstone phone, the 9 is second from the bottom, and 2 is in the middle of the top row. Now, today they would say when he made the far right comment that, that he was far right, because that's what people do. They want to dig into all of these, you know, uh, things that don't exist and make them be there. But what I found remarkable here, again, is uh, L. Rushbo. Just, he makes he makes a joke out of everything because he kind of comes across so matter-of-factly and, and so uh, pompous in many ways. But there's so much depth. There's so much substance. And there really is so much humor. And he continues to joke about the disclaimer that's on his show. I played it before, but I think it's just funny. I want you to hear this. The opinions expressed on the Rush Limbaugh program do not necessarily reflect those of WABC Radio or its management. And now, here's Rush Limbaugh. By the way, that's a gutless disclaimer. The views expressed by the host of this show ought to become federal law and the station and sponsors ought to heartily endorse them. Man, that is classic, huh? That should become federal law, gutless disclaimer. He made a joke of everything. To me, that is the art of what we do. That is the art of what we do. And I've got plenty to learn in that department, whether it's um, a mishap that happens with the production of the show that I heard him earlier. They played the wrong bumper music and he made it look like it was part of the show. He was just so skilled in doing that and had them replay the, the music he wanted. And it sounded terrific. He was just great at that. That's part of what made Rush so great at what he did that. And he was brilliant. And brilliant in a way like many are not. I want to make a quick disclaimer there because he was brilliant. He was well-read. He was really smart. He had lots of life experience. But he was not a college graduate, and he was uh, known for that. And I think he made that be cool. And some might think, well, what makes that? I got to tell you, I used to work in the higher ed business, and I myself am an NYU dropout, just as our our mayor, (laughs) as our owner, the chief executive of Red Apple, uh, John Katsimatidis, also an NYU dropout. So we share that in common. Go Violets. Because the institution had become so liberal. But I think when you don't go through that, you learn a little bit of the esoteric thinking that you get from the university, but you also learn a little bit about life on the street through experience. And I think Rush brought the best of both worlds together, just like John Katz does in many ways. And just like I do, I'm going to lump myself in there with those two, right? Why not? Because I think there, there's a, a, an element of the school of hard knocks and book smarts that's necessary. At, but when you have both, man, is that an unstoppable combination. So L. Rushbo goes on to um, joke around and tease the anchor who was trying to do the news about a a story and he thinks you know what this is feminism feminism is running amok he was famous for using the term feminazi because that's what rush did and he he caught a lot of flack for that but uh, i think her name's Catherine maloney if i'm if i'm not mistaken the news anchor on wabc kathleen maloney excuse excuse me 
And she's doing a piece on the news about something that is all too familiar to myself, Curtis Lee, well, everybody who'd ever been to Two Penn, and it's out of control now. If you go to Two Penn Plaza above, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, what do you find there? Not above them, but uh, around the corner, on the street, in the stairwells. Homelessness. It's rampant. 2021. This clip of audio is from June 1st of 1990. Check this out. If you're a homeless person, anyway, there's a strike in Yonkers to complete that story. If you're a homeless person who sleeps in Penn Station, you're going to have to find a new place to bunk. Because starting tomorrow, the Long Island Railroad will be waking up and kicking out anyone who's sleeping in the station. Governor Cuomo's son, Andrew, will be entering the bonds of matrimony with Carrie Kennedy, the daughter of late Robert skip, Kennedy. Skip, skip that story Why? if you would. Well, because I have a big deal on that. Just skip. You're going to talk about the bachelor party? Yeah, yeah, if you just skip. All right, we'll skip that story. Skip story. Today's the big day for Barbara Bush. The First Lady will deliver what has become a controversial commencement That's right. I forgot. Speech. Feminist update, too, on today's show. Right. Thanks for reminding me about that. At There's Wellesley so much, College. So much going on Can here. I do the news? You what? have a lot of time to do your show. The news just holds everything up here. Well, let me finish it at least. You're holding trying, up the news. I'm trying to make the news worthwhile. <clears throat> the First Lady will deliver her commencement speech at Wellesley College. Some of the students at the all-girls school don't think the First Lady's a good role model, as you know, since she has no career of her own. Raisa Gorbachev will accompany Mrs. Bush, and as you know, Rush, Mrs. Gorbachev has a Ph.D., while Mrs. Bush, well, she has no degree at she all. She has an MRS degree, and it's a, it's a degree yeah, that she right. should be very proud. An MRS title. It's not a degree. Not something you earn. You know, but it most certainly Well, it's is. something that's given to you. You think George Bush was an easy catch? Okay. So obviously George Bush had um, was the president at the time. And what what's uh, uh, interesting here was, uh, no, George Bush was not the president at the time. Strike that from the record. Um, oh, yeah. Take it back. He was, right? It was Bush. It was Reagan, then Bush, then Clinton. Because Bush didn't do two terms. All right. I correct myself on my faulty history. Anyway, the um, I love that back and forth with the news because it was it was fun banter. He made it he made at least I thought it was really fun. And it showed how how good life was right in those times and how similar it was to today. They're talking about Cuomo. They're talking about homelessness. They're talking about Penn Station. And we talked about that earlier. So I don't want to beat that dead horse. But then he goes into this back and forth about how. Mayor Dinkins, who he called General Dinkins, of course, Mayor Dinkins was the mayor that preceded our colleague here, Rudolph W. Giuliani, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And Rudy ran against Mayor Dinkins and lost by a hair. Ran against him again and won because Staten Island came in big and put him over the top, just like they did for Trump, quite frankly. Staten Island's uh, still the last safe bastion of republicanism here in uh, New York City. But I think it's making a comeback. I don't know. Call me crazy. But he uh, talks about this press and media event that they're having where Mayor Dinkins says, nope, white journalists need not apply. They're only taking black journalists. Check this out. Trail in our fair city since the last update. The mugging and or the stabbing. No, right? there's it's even no, no, we got an even bigger one tonight. Oh. Sonny Carson, who is one of General Dinkins uh, campaign supporters, a, a black leader. Uh, is going to have a town meeting tonight where the white media, in the spirit of unity, the white media, 
is not being allowed into the Black Town Hall meeting. There's a holdup in the Bronx. Brooklyn's broken out in fights. There's a traffic jam in Harlem that's backed up to Jackson Heights. There's a scout troop short a child cruises to where I General David Dinkins, where are you? All right, so there you have it. That And that classic piece of production that they created, I thought this was just remarkable. It's great to hear the, the satire. It's great to hear the humor uh, while bringing you the news of the day. It's, it's what I aspire to every day with you guys is to try and bring you the news of the day, give you some opinions, some analysis, hopefully a little bit of humor and, uh, and occasionally an impression that's off a little bit. But they make me laugh. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. We're just getting started. We're about to get into uh, what Joe Biden said, Joe El Baboso Biden said at his CNN town hall with Anderson Cooper. All of that and more of El Rushbo. Plus, what President Donaldus Magnus had to say about El Rushbo. This is Talk Radio 1071. We now have on the line a very familiar voice, Rich Valdez, bringing common sense to the airwaves of Long Island. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito on News Talk 1071 FM. Now, here's Rich Valdez. Welcome back. Bienvenido, America. Everybody listening on WABCRadio.com. Everybody listening on Talk Radio 1071 FM out on Eastern Long Island. Big shout out to everybody in Suffolk County, Nassau County. Our telephone number 1-800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC. And we've been talking about Rush Limbaugh all morning. Of course, Andrew Cuomo and his... Uh, shortcomings, I'm going to say, with coronavirus. Some are saying criminality. We'll get into a little bit of that, perhaps. Uh, we'll rehash some of it. But I also want to get into Biden, which I've been holding out on. So we're going to get to that, I promise. But first, Donaldus Magnus, el trompito, the 45th president of these United States, el presidente, Donald J. Trump, broke his silence since his... Um, Departure from the White House. He's put out a few written statements bashing Mitch McConnell, uh, which is not the least of of them. But he broke his silence yesterday on Fox News and decided to uh, pay tribute to El Rushbo. And this one's a little long, but I think it's worth listening to every word because, well, I think if we pay close attention, there's such a kinship between El Rushbo and El Trompito. Check this out. We are about to be joined, I understand, by the president, uh, the former president of the United States, who you know gave the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, in 2020 at the State of the Union Address to Rush Limbaugh. President Trump, are you with me? I am, and it was a great honor to do so when we gave the uh, Medal of Freedom. It was something special. It was an incredible night. Uh, We gave it during the uh, State of the Union Address, and it was... uh, Especially half the room. Half the room went crazy. The other half the room, they knew uh, they knew he should get it. But it was special, and he was special. Mr. President, you know, thank I, you I'm for cur- joining us. When was the last well, time you, you spoke with Rush Limbaugh? Uh, three or four days ago. I'd call him just to find out. You know, his his fight was very, very courageous, and he was very, very sick. And, you know, from diagnosis on, it was just something that was not going to be beaten. But you wouldn't know it. And he is married to an incredible woman, Catherine, who really, every time I spoke to him, he, he would tell me how great she was. She took such 
great care. He was very brave. I mean, he, in theory, could have been gone four months ago, really. He just... He was fighting till the very end. He was a fighter. While you were, a great gentleman. Yeah, while you were in the White House, how, how did you view how he either carried on your message or uh, chose to agree or disagree with the policies you had as commander in chief? Well, first of all, you know, you just had Sean on, Sean Hannity, who's incredible. And Sean would say there is nobody like Rush. Sean was the first to say that he. I, I used to say, well, what do you think? Someday, and he'd say he's irreplaceable. Russia's irreplaceable, unique. Uh, he had an audience that was massive. And, you know, he could do something, Bill, and, and uh, he would he would get up in the show and would just talk. He wouldn't take phone calls where, you know, people would call in every two minutes and that's sort of easy to do. He would just talk for two hours and three hours, just talk. And that's not an easy thing to do. And I once asked him, I said, do you study for the show? Or, and he said, actually, I study very hard, <laughs> which, which a little bit, Harris, that a little bit surprised me. But, but he was a fantastic man, a fantastic talent. And uh, people, whether they loved him or not, they respected him. They really did. I agree with that. Um, I also agree there are people that disrespect him. I think there are a lot of people, and we're going to hear from some of them, how they began to trash El Rushbo, saying that you know he was this and he was that and all sorts of things. And I think it was just, um, you know, it's just par for the course. Now, what I find interesting is when somebody on the left dies, you don't typically hear, at least public officials especially, not coming out. Uh, you don't hear them come out and say – yeah, you know, kind of goodbye, good riddance or anything like that. And I'm not saying that that's verbatim what anybody said, but I really did, you know, find it in poor taste that Jen Pasirkel back Pasaki, um, the way she handled the response to the question from a reporter asking, is President Biden going to release a statement or say something about Rush Limbaugh? And Jen Psaki at the White House press briefing yesterday said, I don't anticipate a statement from Biden on Rush. Check this out. Is the president going to release a statement or say something about Rush Limbaugh? I know, obviously, the news just came out in about the last hour before I had come out. Um, I can say, uh, I'm not sure if we'll release a statement from the president. He has spoken to, in the past, uh, to uh, to Rush Limbaugh's sickness and illness at the time. And certainly, um, you know, he his condolences go out to the family and the friends uh, of Rush Limbaugh, who have, of course, have lost uh, him today. Um, but I, I don't know that I I anticipate a statement from the president, but I can certainly pass on his uh, condolences and expression of support for the family. So there you have it. Again, um, it was curt. It wasn't elegant. It wasn't disrespectful. But I just thought it was just interesting. And, um, you know, that was the cleanest you're going to see. Right. So I'm really not going to critique her here. I typically do. I'm going to let her pass on this one. I thought, you know, okay. But the rest of her, her friends, her colleagues in the left-wing media, and people say, why do you call it the left-wing media? Because then we're going to call you the right-wing media. But the problem is I'm not right-wing. Now, some people say, what are you kidding me, Rich? You're as right-wing as they come. No, I I, I don't see it that way. Um, I really don't. I don't think I'm a right-wing. You, you know, you tell me Richard Spencer, I say that's a right-winger. You bring me uh, Pat Buchanan, I say, that's a right-winger. I don't talk about European heritage. I don't think that um, we are diluting or browning or tanning the uh, American um, complexion, 
<laughs> These are things that right wingers think. I am the tanning of America. I am the tanning of talk radio in America. So, of course, I stand against those things. To me, this isn't about race. Just like the great one, Mark Levin, big shout out to him. He always says, what does your genitalia have to do with this? Right? Why, why does one's gender make a difference? It doesn't. Now you can use it for descriptive purposes where you can say, oh, they have a female voice talent or vice versa, blah, blah, blah. These are descriptive talents. Usually you're talking about demographic data. You know, how are we affecting men that are 25 to 54 or women in the same demographic group? Because this is radio and in radio you deal with programming and you want to look at demographic numbers. But all that being said, this is what it comes down to. And this polarization that we always hear things about, you know, we're deeply divided. Let me ask you a question. If you stand outside of a prison, a prison that is for the worst people in humanity, people that do bad things, massive illegality, grossly immoral, and you stand outside and you say, I am massively or greatly divided between me and those people right there. Wouldn't that make sense if you don't stand for what they stand for, that you would want to be the polar opposite of those people? Of course you would. For many years, things were made purple for the sake of going along to get along. The military industrial complex, big business, big pharma, big whoever, everybody had money in there. Let's squash it. Let's make it good. Let's keep making money. It's all good. Put your ideology aside. And where did it get us? It got us to where we are, where people truly are on one side or the other. It's not that we've been pushed into these polar opposites. It's that we are polar opposites. Some people do care if a child in the womb lives. Some people do care if men marry men or women marry women. Some people do want to defend traditional marriage. Now, of course, one of those is a matter of law now, and it's not really part of the, the culture war anymore. But my point is, faith is a real thing to a lot of people. While Europe has done a great job of eliminating the Catholic Church, and in many places replacing it with a mosque, we have not seen that in America. What we've seen here in the United States is the growth of the mosque, and God bless the Muslims for growing. We've seen in some areas even the growth of Judaism, where there's there's more and bigger synagogues, more shuls. Good. I grew up right outside of a Jewish neighborhood in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I got nothing but love for the Jews. We have people where they're losing their Catholic schools, but then you have some evangelical Christian churches that are growing, becoming mega churches with 10,000, 20,000 members. All of these groups have a worldview, and in many ways, they have a similar worldview on a lot of things, and in many ways, they're polar opposites. But my point is, people are going to have points of view. There's always going to be difference and discord amongst us as a people, and that has nothing to do with how we. I can walk down the street. I think I should. See, it's, it's our perspective that matters. I should be able to walk down the street, and I do, and see uh, somebody who completely disagrees with me and believes different, and I don't view him as the enemy, and he shouldn't view me as the enemy because I don't think it's about an enemy type of situation. It's just differences, and we can have conversation, and we can take it to the intellectual marketplace of ideas and see who wins. I, I put my money on me. That's what I do. My point is, that's what we've gone away from. We don't have to play to one side versus the other. We can hold on to our beliefs 
and say, you know what, I respectfully disagree. That goes against my worldview. It goes against what my principles, it goes against why I ran for this office or why I do this program or why I do that, whatever case may be. We can have disagreements and it doesn't mean I can't respect you. I can't be your friend because you believe we should build a wall. I can't believe you. I can't respect you because you believe that, you know, this part of the Gaza Strip belongs to one country versus another country or one territory versus another. That is insane to me. But people want to go there. Now, that has nothing to do with Rush Limbaugh. But yet people on talk radio or rather people in cable news want to say that talk radio host Rush Limbaugh was the purveyor and the provocateur of all of the polarization. I'm going to say he just cast light on it. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is Talk Radio 1071. We now have on the line a very familiar voice, Rich Valdez, bringing common sense to the airwaves of Long Island. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito on News Talk 1071 FM. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, Long Island, welcome back. Everybody out on the East End, Hampton Bay, Suffolk County, Nassau in the building. Give us a call, 1-800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. And you know, what I, some, one of the things I like about social media, and I'm going to go back into what we were talking about because I like that conversation, that tangent, that thread. But what I love about social media, at least Instagram and Facebook, they, they give you these little memories, right? It says, you know, on this day, X amount of years ago. And not too long ago, one popped up that I'd shared of my uh, daughter, who at the time was 10, and it was her first time shooting uh, AR-15. And I thought it was cute because you have this little girl with, you know, a gun that at the time there was a New York Times writer that was saying so many evil things about the AR-15 and how it was, you know, so violent and he had PTSD from shooting it at a range. And I thought to myself, that's so funny because I, I both at my family's farm and at the range, my uh, little girl has shot the uh, AR-15 and, you know, other rifles, 30-06 rounds, um, nine and, uh, she she loves it, whether it's a handgun or a rifle. She really enjoys shooting the younger one. The older one, she shoots, but she's just like, yeah, whatever. I could do without it. She's into different things. But what I thought was, here's a little girl, a little girl handling a gun. And there was a grown man writing an article at that time, whatever year it was, a few years back, saying that this was the most violent experience of his life and the smell of sulfur was around him. And I thought, who's the little girl here? My kid or you? Now, speaking of little girls, Brian Stelter continues his tirade on what's going on with El Rushbo. And, you know, uh, I guess this is how they uh, they do an obituary on El Rushbo by saying that he was really just a very polarizing figure. But they called him a pioneer as well. So I guess, you know, it's a give and take. Check this out. A pioneer of conservative media and a deeply polarizing figure. Rush Limbaugh became the most prominent political radio host in modern American history. Fans, known as Ditto Heads, cheered his brazen style, while critics blasted him for racist, sexist, and other offensive speech. A conservative media icon whose legacy will always symbolize division. Wow. So, division. Now, again, listen, I'm not going to sit here and split hairs. I do think that... We can talk about unity and healing. And if you check out that uh, El Rushbow thing, and I'll, I'll put that up on my Rumble channel if you want to check it out. That's rumble.com slash Rich Valdez with an S. So you can see the whole Rush Limbaugh 1990 episode. Um, it's about an hour and a half or two hours long. It's really good. I think you'll really enjoy it. But when we, we talk about this polarization or this division, I think sometimes you have to separate the wheat from the chaff. 
there's a lot of talk about healing and unity. And, and it's funny, they talk about that there where they're talking about healing and unity, but then they say, oh, but no black people. I mean, no white people allowed in the black uh, press conference, only black journalists. Or, you know, um, we want unity and healing, but not if you're a Trumper, right? Well, then we've caused this division. And I think that's ostracizing. You're pushing people out because of their beliefs. I think the other word for that is bigotry. And I think the left specializes in this area. If they disagree with you, they ostracize you. That's bigotry. Now, my thoughts are I'm not bigoted towards somebody who prefers Marxism over a Christian worldview or over a constitutional worldview based on the history of the United States. And that doesn't mean that if the history of the United States is a racist history, although it can be and there are elements of it that certainly are, it doesn't mean that we in and of ourselves, that I, as I stand here, the the son of my mother was born in, in Bayamón, my dad was born in, born in uh, Caguas, Puerto Rico. I, I am not a racist. My mother's grandmother from Panama. She, I'm going to be honest, she was the lightest one in her family, but the rest of her family are black in skin tone. Black. My mother, her dad's family from Spain. So they're more fair skin. My dad, he was red. Taino blood. That's the uh, native indigenous tribe that was on Puerto Rico when it was conquered. So I say all of that to say, that's the blood that runs through my veins. I love America. And either you love America or you don't. Period. That's what this comes down to. This isn't about being black, white or brown or anything like that. It's about being American. And that's where we need to rally around the flagpole, saluting the flag, forget the knee, this and that. That's a whole different debate for a different day. Where we can't, we can split hairs on certain things, but certain things we have to agree on. But this is what they want to do. They want to make it look like, you know, saying what's wrong and bad is, is bad. I say saying what's wrong and bad is good. We need to know what's wrong and bad and we should get away from it. People should get away from it. Styles of government that have toppled societies are things we should not work toward, especially if you're not part of the oligarchy. Now, the problem is if you're Joe Biden and the rest of these people that have this high elected office power, they are. They've enriched themselves in office. And I'm not indicting them to say they're corrupt. Get, just get rid of them. I'm indicting an entire system that allows for this to happen. Because when you get rid of a McConnell, when you get rid of a Kamala Harris, um, Schumer, anybody else who's become super wealthy being in office, when that happens and you become a, a part of the American system that's permanent, not temporary, you know, 40 years in Congress, that type of thing, insanity to me. No, Nobody else gets a chance. You amass all the power. Ultimately... We're not doing society uh, a service. We're doing it a disservice, and that will ultimately hurt us in the long run. So, yes, I think it's good to create contrast, to show a stark difference. And in my lifetime, I can think, who said things like that? Donaldus Magnus, right? Ronald Reagan, he drew contrast, basically saying, no, we don't like that liberalism stuff. We don't want it. We don't want fascism. We want liberty. What else? Get off my back, out of my pocket. That was Reagan. Who else did that? Donald Trump. Trump said we need to make America great again. And he focused on that. So to me, 
I look at that and I say, there's nothing wrong with that. They just don't like the message because it's counterintuitive. It doesn't help labor unions. It helps everybody else who's not a part of a labor union. It doesn't help poor people other than to stay poor. But they want to claim it helps the rich. Anyway, the free market is the free market, and that's the beauty of it, the liberty of it. Libertad, it's free. Now, Jeff Bennett, MSNBC, he says Rush was known for his extreme conservative racist polarizing commentary. Check this out. Following a few false starts, he eventually found a footing in. He eventually found his footing. (laughs) Following a few false starts. That doesn't sound good at all. Yeah, so the cut sounds like it's got a little bit of a a double audio on there. But basically he says that following a a few false starts, he eventually found a footing in talk radio. His reputation as a right-wing diehard quickly drew a following on a local station in Sacramento. The Rush Limbaugh show quickly became known for its extreme conservative slant and Limbaugh's, at times, racist and bigoted commentary. Rush Limbaugh, always brash, bold, powerful, and polarizing. This was so tongue-in-cheek. But again, I'm just – I'm here to point out that when somebody on the other side dies, you're not going to hear me saying blah, blah, blah. I might say that they were incendiary. I might say these things. But I'm not – I'm not going to sit there and, and unless they were, I mean, I, I, in listening to Trump uh, and listening to Rush, excuse me, I can't say that there's something he said that was extreme. Uh, is it extreme to say we should love America? Is it extreme to say that we should love our Constitution? Of course not. These are these are constants. These are standards that we should just normally embrace. That's that's the middle. I think Levin brings this up all the time and he says, look, I'm a constitutionalist. I'm not to the right or the left. The middle is the Constitution. And I agree wholeheartedly with this statement. The right is not something I'm associated with. I'm just not. They're out there. I know that there's these groups that believe in in, uh, white supremacy. But I've been a Republican for a long time. Now, mind you, being a conservative has nothing to do with being a Republican. It just happens to be that the Republican Party is a vehicle where conservatives can have a voice. If I went to a Democrat Party meeting and said, you know, I think I want to be for limited government, I'd be laughed out of there. They'd be like, limited government? We get all our power from government. You think you get power from God. You think you get power from liberty. I don't fit in. They're polarizing, not me. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is Talk Radio 1071. We now have on the line a very familiar voice, Rich Valdez, bringing common sense to the airwaves of Long Island. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito on News Talk 1071 FM. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, welcome back, New York. Welcome back, Long Island. Everybody out on the East End, big shout out to everybody listening online, streaming the program. And of course, make sure you check out the podcast, uh, my other show, my weekend show, live at 5 o'clock every Sunday. We give you Monday's news on Sunday because we're following it all day on Sunday, live at 5 o'clock, Talk Radio 77 WABC, right here in New York City. Make sure you don't miss that and download the podcast. 
This is America three times a week. It's usually about 30 minutes, about three 10-minute segments. We break it down. Very, very young audience following. We have lots of people in their 50s and 60s that follow the program as well. And it seems to transcend age, and it works well for a lot of people. Talk about everything through my lens as a, an American of Hispanic heritage right here in New York City as a conservative. And I try to be as commonsensical as I can as I approach these things. But somebody who doesn't use common sense is Joe El Baboso Biden. You want to talk about polarizing. You want to talk about all that stuff. I'll tell you who's polarizing. El Presidente, lamentably, Joe El Baboso Biden. Now, Joe Biden was with Anderson Cooper, and he had a lot of things to say. But one of the things he said was basically, listen, you know how China is, man. You know, they kill people. You know, they force people to shave their heads. Give, them. And I'm talking about the Uyghur Muslims, how they have human rights abuses. Just imagine if Donald Trump were to take an entire group of people, Muslims, and say, OK, folks, we're going to put you in a concentration camp, calling it re-education camp because you're Muslims and you're supposed to believe in, in uh, Xi Jinping and, and Mao and all the communist theory from the Communist Party in China. And I'm going to have you living here as a prisoner. We're going to have you grow out your hair because, you know, China's infamous for selling human hair for hair weaves and things like that. And that's where they get it from these Uyghur Muslims. That's why they're always bald when you see them. They keep them in captivity to grow their hair and then they take it and they sell it. It's a horrible thing. Not just their hair. There's lots of things going on. They kill them. They abuse the women. But all that. Listen, you know how the Chinese are. If you know anything about Chinese history, man, come on, man. If you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. That guy, Joe Biden, here's what he had to say. Check this out. You just talked to China's president. Yes, two hours. What about the, the Uyghurs? What about the human we, rights abuses? We must China? speak up for human rights. It's who we are. We can't. My comment to him was, and I know him well, and he knows me well. We're two-hour conversations. I bet he, he talked does. About this to him. I talked about this, too. And that's not so much refugee, but I talked about it. I said, look. You know, Chinese leaders, if you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, to vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. And he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the he said he he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country, and they, their leaders are expected to follow. China is the victim, and China, if you know anything about Chinese culture, Chinese history, they have to run a tight ship. They have to keep a tight, tight-knit China. That's called totalitarianism, sir. It's called an autocracy. It's called communism. And then he pivots back. I mean, to say, I call him El Baboso because I think these things... Um, they're, um, they're stupidities that he's saying, but it doesn't mean that he is stupid. Obviously, you have to have a degree of, uh, of intelligence to be able to pull off a sentence that smoothly. It's kind of like saying, I'm a bald man. I have a full head of hair, but I'm a bald man. To say that so matter-of-factly requires a, some degree of skill, I think. And that's what, in effect, he said. He said, if you know anything about Chinese history, I'm not going to read the quote to you, but you heard it. 
They're talking about the slaughter of people because of their faith. The Chinese Communist Party, the President Xi Jinping, abusing and killing people because of their faith, their Muslim faith. Joe Biden says, yeah, I talked to him for two minutes. I know him well. He knows me well. Beijing Biden. Yeah. Harry Legs. And then all of a sudden we've got him saying that this is how they do it. If you know anything about how they do things, they do things, you know, they roll with a tight fist, iron fist. I'm an American president. If I need to get reelected, I, I've got to be a, I got to be a man of the people. I got to embrace American values. He's basically saying, look, I don't care what you do in China. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and talk about human rights abuses. I'm just going to say America needs to speak up for human rights. So I need to speak up about this. And if you're doing that, it makes it difficult for me. So kill them more secretly, maybe. Maybe that's what he's saying. I don't know. I mean, I can't make sense out of what Joe Biden said. Now, if you're going to say, well, Rich, you know, you seem like a smart guy. You can't make sense out of that. Seems to me like you're just saying that you want to be critical of him. Uh, no, I'm saying, how do you make sense? How do you square a statement like that where Joe Biden says, I have to embrace the values of the American people? If that's what you say, then you say, you know what? I'm going to have to continue to put sanctions on you. I'm going to have to take a tougher stance, a tougher posture than Trump did. Because why? Because you're violating the values that we have. And how could you be the number one country importing everything into the United States when we know that you're doing things that they do in, in, in genocidal countries that we don't deal with? So either you shape up or you're going to have to ship out. But he's not saying that. You know who said that? El trompito Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. El presidente. So clear contrast here. Joe Biden is full of bleep. You know he is. I think he knows he is. But he's so skilled at saying you know, these stupid things. Now, the next thing he's going to say is that we're so racist. We're so racist. And somehow he's going to figure out how to throw the cops under the bus. I want you to check this out. There has to be much more serious, how can I say, much more serious determination as to what the background and the attitudes of the recruit is, where, what their views are. There should be much more psychological testing like you would if you're going to the intelligence community. What is it? What are the things that make you respond the way you do? Because there is, there is inherent prejudice built into the system as well. And we also need to provide for, and it's happening, more African-American and more Hispanic police officers. Now, by the way, they don't get it all right either, by a long shot. But every cop, when they get up in the morning and put on that shield, has a right to expect to be able to go home to their family that night. Conversely, every kid walking across the street wearing a hoodie is not a member of a gang and is about to knock somebody off. So it's about education. Again, masterful, right? Not every cop is a good guy. Not every good guy's a cop. Not every kid with a hoodie's whatever. Woo-hoo-hoo. He literally speaks in platitudes to this group of people. Everybody listening hears a little bit of what they want to hear. And then he's like, hey, I said that. I'm off the hook. But he meant nothing. He basically said, we need more black and Hispanic police officers. I'm not going to rail against that. I agree with that. I'm in an industry where I can't find someone else like me, right? Find me another Puerto Rican guy in New York City that's on conservative talk radio. I'll wait. I'm it. Now, it doesn't matter to me that I'm Puerto Rican. It matters to me personally because I like arroz con habichuela and I love to eat and I love my culture. I love my people. The American people from the island of Puerto Rico, which is a part of America and has always been, fought in every war. But that's not what Joe Biden's saying. 
He's saying things that would like, as if there's a massive whiteness to police. Now, maybe that may be true, but again, I'm in New York, one of those places where they had these massive riots over and over and over again. And guess what? The NYPD is something like 50% black and Latino. So how, do he, how does he square something like that? This is the most racially diverse police department on the planet Earth, as I understand it. There is no other police department that's as racially diverse as New York City. Yet the crime rate is through the roof. Are we going to blame the cops? Are we going to blame the laws that said when you lock somebody up, you're going to take them, they're going to fingerprint them, they're going to let them go, they're not going to put them in jail, and guess what? They're not going to prosecute because they have these new laws and prosecutors that were funded by crazy left-wing groups that were brought into power, and they're going to say, you know what, we're not, we decline to prosecute. And you're going to blame the cop for that? That's like saying, Rich, you did a terrible show. And I go, dude, there was no microphone. How could you say, you know, or I had no producer that there. You, you need everybody to be on board. The cops are going to do their job. If they're supported in the courts, if they're supported, they can arrest people that are going to go to jail. That's clear as day to me. Clear as day. But no, Biden's assessment here is that there is prejudice, inherent prejudice built into the policing system and that we need, of course, every kid not crossing the street with a hood on is is about who said it was. I'll tell you who said it was radical demagogues that are trying to get you to believe that every kid that's wearing a hood is out there to get you. Nobody ever said it was except for them because regular people don't believe those things. They just don't. They feed a lie. They repeat the lie. Then they expect everyone to respond with uh, this solution that's to a fake problem. Hegel would be proud. Doesn't make it good for us. Doesn't make it good for our communities and for our children. Listen, when I'm not here, I usually have a hood on. Truth be told, I like to protect my hair. Again, hair joke for those of you who don't know. My point with this, and I think I've made the point, so I don't want to belabor the point. As Bob Grant would say, when you start saying my point is or to reiterate or what I'm saying is or in other words, you've already made your point. Move on. So I'm going to move on. I think you get the point. Biden's full of it. Now, he's not the only one. Of course, we have Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, the uh, vice president of the United States. She was on with Savannah Guthrie. And she's just not clear as to when schools will be able to open and I think that one is pretty telling. Listen to this. There has been a shifting timeline here. Back on December 8th, the president, then president-elect, tweeted, uh, we want to reopen the majority of schools in the first 100 days. He later said that day, we want to have most schools open. Now, he said, as recently as last night, he's talking about the majority of K through 8 schools. Last week, we heard a White House official saying open means it could mean just one day a week open. The president said, no, that was a miscommunication. But, I mean, I guess, look, again, parents mm -hmm. watching, what is the bottom line? What does it mean yeah. for schools to yeah. be reopened? And how soon can they be reopened? So our goal is that as many K through eight schools as possible will reopen as it, within the first hundred days. Our goal is that it will be five days a week. And so we have to work to achieve that goal. But our goal is the goal of parents. And I mean, here's the thing, Savannah, I don't need to tell you. We are uh, it, the, the issue here is not just about statistics. It's about our kids. It's about their parents. It's about the fact that every day our kids are missing essential, critical days. 
in their educational development. Uh, you know, we, we know, we have worked on this issue for years around the fact that, you know, by the end of third grade, if a child is not at third grade reading level, they literally drop off. So each day in the life of a child is a very long time. More platitudes from our friends on the left who now run the federal government. So she basically presses her and says, you know, your CDC is saying one thing that they can go back to school. You're saying they need $100 billion. And the problem with all of that is that it's all fake and phony and fraud. Kamala Harris, you're full of it. I'm calling you out. I'm calling out your boss, Joel Barbosa Biden. And I want to give a little bit of Rush Limbaugh. Check this out. Hasta mañana. I think I just happen to be saying what a whole lot of people think but don't have a chance to say themselves. That's why they call me the most dangerous man in America. Somebody's finally saying this stuff. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.